Welcome to the Dwelling Podcast. We're so glad you tuned in. Our hopes is that this message inspires you and builds your faith today. <laughs> if we haven't met, my name's Ashley. Um, my husband's name is Alex. We have a four-year-old son named Aiden, and we have a one-year-old daughter named Eileen Rose. And um, Heidi, Rosie, uh, we, as Bethany was saying, we joined the launch team. We moved, for me, back to Savannah. For Alex, he moved to Savannah to plant this church. That's why we moved back to Savannah in 2018. And it's kind of our whole life. I mean, this, like, family and what we're doing here, um, it's everything to us. And we have, Alex and I have grown so much under Gunnar and Bethany's leadership and just the culture that they've created here. We've had so many perspective shifts. You know, you grow up in the church your whole life and you have these moments where you're like, oh, that's what he's like. And you, these moments where you realize you were believing lies about his nature or whatever it is, it's just been a place. It's also been a place where we've been safe to struggle. And I don't know that I've ever experienced that in a church before. Um, so anyway, just again, taking a second to honor Gunnar and Bethany, because this place is amazing. It's really, really special. Um, I think we all feel that, you know, it's just special. <clears throat> so Gunnar asked me to speak for the You Go Girl series. And this series has been great. We've been talking about how Jesus empowers women, and we've been hitting some hot topics, and it's been awesome. Um, last week, we had a women's panel where we just got to hear from some women in our church and hear their testimony and just um, gave us space to empower them to speak about what God's done in their life. That was amazing. For me this morning, I'm not going to be talking about women's role in the church. I'm just going to be a woman in the church um, and talk about my life. So that's what, we're just gonna tie a bow on this series and I'm just gonna be a woman, okay? Um, also, I did wanna say before we get into it, this message that I'm sharing today, it's not me picking a topic. It's not me even picking a passage of scripture. This message has been formed in my heart and in my life, specifically over the past two years. And I really feel like I'm cracking my heart open in a very vulnerable way. And yeah, it's a big moment for me. It feels like kind of a line in the sand a little bit for me. It feels like a moment of obedience for me. It feels like a moment of breakthrough for me. And I feel ready. <laughs> I just feel ready. Do you feel ready? <laughs> okay. Um, Jesus, help me present myself as a living example of what you can do and give us hope. Okay, so the question that I want to ask and just kind of set up what I'm gonna be talking about today is how do we experience seasons of suffering without becoming hardened? Um, how do we as people of faith respond to trials, respond to seasons of suffering and seasons of deep hurt, disappointments, things not going the way that we thought they would go? How do we make it through and out the other side of those seasons without pulling away, without becoming bitter, without becoming angry, without doubting who God is? Um, this is a big deal. I think that we've probably all had moments where we doubted his goodness based off of a circumstance that happened. Um, 
And we probably all, for me, I grew up in the church, I've seen people fall away from their faith entirely because of difficult circumstances. And they, it led them down a road where they got to a place where they didn't believe he is who he says he is. They didn't believe that he was good. And I don't want that to happen to anybody. And so this is what I'm gonna talk about. How do we make it through? And I think even people who aren't believers, we can all agree that suffering is part of life. We all are kind of have this general consensus of like, there is no option of a life without pain. Um, it's all up in scripture. <clears throat> There's no denying that. It's just this inevitable human experience. John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. James 1, 2 through 4, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Another one, there's more. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold That's good. That's good. that perishes those tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. One more, Romans 5, three through five. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Okay, we're gonna have trouble. God is good. They're both true. How do they coexist? How do we make sense of it? How do we respond to disappointment? There's two roads. You doubt him, you get angry, you get bitter, potentially lose your faith or the better option, you humble yourself, you trust him even when you can't see his goodness the way that you want to see his goodness or in the timing that you wanna see his goodness. And it leads to this de complete dependency of like, I'm actually gonna lay down my entire life. I'm actually gonna be a living sacrifice. So, okay, I'm gonna talk about my life a little bit. <clears throat> I mentioned Alex and I moved here in 2018. At the time, we were eight months pregnant with Aiden. Alex did not have a job. We closed on a house not having a job. It was like crazy, crazy. Uh, man, I look back and I'm like, I wanna be like that again. We were just so like, yeah, let's do it. Um, I'm so much more nervous now as a person, I don't know. But um, anyway, there's so much I could say about just leading up to that pregnancy, all of the prophecies that were spoken, dreams that Alex and I had, sometimes even the same dream on the same night. I mean, there was just crazy stuff happening before we got pregnant with Aiden. We were only a year into marriage. We were 24 years old. And I just look back on that season like, wow, he was so faithful to us and um, just gave us so much to hold on to and to trust him. And um, Aiden, we named him Aiden. We prayed about his name. Aiden means fiery one. And he, yeah, <laughs> he is. <laughs> He's always been that way. Aiden is a little boy of extremes, which is kind of like Alex, if you know him. They're like a little bit similar like that. Uh, 
If he wants something, he really wants something. If he doesn't want something, he really doesn't want something. If he's affectionate, he's really affectionate. If he's upset, he's really upset. It's just like everything Aiden does and experiences is an extreme version of that thing. And I love that about him. I really do. I think he's gonna be an amazing leader one day because of that. Um, but yeah, when we had him, we were like, I guess Alex and I are both pretty strong-willed people. And we would just look at Aiden and be like, we have created a superhuman, stubborn strength. And we were just like, what do we do with this? Um, man, I bought all the strong-willed child books. They didn't really help me. Okay, I'm just gonna be honest. So on a serious note though, things did get really hard and I would look at other people Aiden's age and other young families and I would just be kind of discouraged like they're experiencing something that I'm not experiencing and um, just doubting myself as a mom and going through that whole transition. It was just a rocky transition for us into parenthood to be honest and into motherhood. <clears throat> That's a whole nother message. I'm gonna try to fast forward a little bit. A year and a half ago, we got a diagnosis of mental illness for Aiden, a neurodevelopmental disorder. And I remember getting the diagnosis and my, it had been such a long day at the office that we were at with him, or it was just me, but my phone had died. And if you know me, you're probably not surprised that my phone was dead. But I sat in the car with the diagnosis. I couldn't even call Alex. I was three months pregnant with Eileen at the time. And Aiden was just in the backseat of the car. And man, that moment in that car, I, was, I felt really lonely and I felt really sad and scared. My mind just started racing with what does this mean for Aiden's future? And kind of big picture stuff like, will he be able to make genuine friendships? Will he be able to fall in love? Will he get made fun of? What does this mean for our family? What does this mean for Eileen? And um, just a lot of fear, a lot of fear. There was part of me that in that moment was relieved that there was a reason why things had been so hard because I dreamt of being a mom my entire life. I mean, my earliest memories are taking care of baby dolls and wanting to help take care of my little brother. I wanted to be a mom and it happened and I, I felt like, man, I'm not as good of a mom as I thought I was gonna be. And so there was part of me that was like, okay, there's a reason that this is hard and that made me feel a little bit better. But obviously, I mean, obviously it was just heartbreak over the diagnosis. And um, so anyway, Aiden really declined after we got that diagnosis, mentally, emotionally, behaviorally. It was a very steep downhill slope for us. Um, I'm not gonna go into, here's where I'm at with this. I'm trying to be as vulnerable as possible while also still honoring my son. And so I don't feel like I need to share all of Aiden's lowest moments for you to know what God has done in me. And so, um, thank you. Uh, yeah, but just some general, what he struggles with, so you can kind of understand maybe more of what our day-to-day -day was like. He really struggles and is behind in his ability to communicate. So there are very few words. There's a lot of like screaming, screeching instead of using vocabulary. Um, 
the communication, like the responsiveness in communication, like you can't ask him a question and him answer it. There's no back and forth. Um, there's no conversation. <clears throat> Socially, he struggles with relationships. There was no, you know, when we brought Eileen home, there was no like put the baby on the older sibling's lap moment for us, you know. The social deficits are really difficult. Couldn't have a lot of people in the house. We couldn't bring him to church with us. We couldn't really go anywhere with him. And um, some other health issues of like things going on in his body that needed testing and um, prescriptions and things like that. Um, involuntary like hand movements and vocalizations that make people really stare when you're in public, you know, it's just like pretty heartbreaking. Emotionally, very volatile, a lot of meltdowns, OCD, like things have to be a certain way, even like furniture in the house and like the meltdowns that come if things aren't exactly how he wants them to be. And hyperactivity, impulsivity, non-compliance, it's all part of the diagnosis. So it was really rough, you guys. It was really rough, it was really dark, it was very depressing um, to have this dream come true of becoming a mom and then it looked like this. It's not what I thought it would look like. Um, but we did everything that we could do. We put him in multiple forms of therapy. We made appointments with um, doctors all across the US. We prayed over him every day. We took communion together every day. We took him to conferences to be prayed over. I mean, we did everything that we knew to do. And every single month was harder than the month before for over a year straight. There was so much disappointment. And I just, I started with a lot of faith. Like we're gonna pray and we're gonna see Aiden healed. And when you pray for something every single day and it gets worse, it is really, really hard to not start doubting. And so I just, I, I mean, I really, I got to a place where I, I was angry at our life. I was angry at the way it ended up. And I was angry. It's not that I was surprised that suffering exists because we already established that. And I did believe that God was good. But I was angry that he didn't step in sooner. I was angry that he didn't heal Aiden sooner. We were doing everything that I felt like we were supposed to do to see a miracle. And I felt abandoned. I felt forsaken. Um, and I had a lot of questions. It was just really messy. I, I woke up feeling depressed. I fell asleep feeling depressed. I was weeping every single day. It was so dark. I don't think I can actually like use words to portray how low I got. Um, I remember one day in particular, you know, we had had Eileen. I'm doing the newborn thing. I'm doing the postpartum thing. Aiden's at his worst. Alex goes back to work. He's gone 11 hours a day, you know. And man, we were all screaming. We were all crying every day, every day. And Aiden got to such a bad point where I climbed up onto the kitchen counter and just stood on the counter crying and screaming to get a break from like him running into me, headbutting me, scratching me, biting me. I needed a break. And that's one of those moments that I look back on and I'm like, it was so dark. It was so dark. I was talking to Alex about this, obviously just talking through what am I gonna share? What am I not gonna share? If I could say anything to a group of people about what we've been through, what would I say? <clears throat> and 
I told him, <laughs> I did not lose my faith. I never lost my faith. But I got to a place for the first time in my life where I said, I understand how people do. And I'd never really understood it before. Um, and so Alex asked me, why didn't you? Like, what is it that kept you from losing your faith? And I think the first thing that came to my mind is that I needed him more than I was ever angry with him. The second thing is that I've seen too much of his goodness and his mercy in my life to ever truly believe that he's not good. There's no way that I could get to that point because I've seen it, I've lived it, I've experienced it. But the bottom line is that I am in a covenantal relationship with Jesus Christ through his blood sacrifice. And in a covenantal relationship, walking away is not an option on the table. It's not an option. You can't walk away when it gets hard. You wrestle through it because the relationship is worth the endurance. It's worth the wrestle. It's worth working through the hard questions. And so I want all of us to answer that question today. Are you in a covenantal relationship with Jesus or is it conditional? Are you committed? Are you pursuing something that he can do for you or are you pursuing him for him? Is your faith in something in a certain outcome or a certain outcome in a certain timing or is your faith in Jesus? It's a question we all have to answer or we're not gonna make it through these seasons. We have to decide right now, are you resolute? Are you committed? Is it unconditional? Can we even get to a place where our worship is unconditional, where our adoration is unconditional? That's where I wanna be. And I'm still in the middle of it. Like we've had a lot of breakthrough with Aiden. He's not where he was a year ago, praise God. <clears throat> but it is still very sad and it is still very hard and it is, I'm still in the middle of it, okay? When I imagined sharing a testimony with my church family, I imagined it being a testimony of Aiden's healing. That's not the testimony that I have today. My testimony today is that you can be convinced of his goodness when you don't see it the way that you wanna see it. It's possible, okay? I made it through. I made it through the anger. I made it through the doubt. I made it through the questions. I'm resolute. I'm committed. I have laid my entire life down. It's not a like, okay, I'll trust him with finances until I start to get scared and then I take it back up. I trust him with my children until it gets really hard and then I'm gonna take him back up. No, no, no. You put your whole body on the altar. It's not, there is no like picking and choosing with what you trust him with and picking things back up in hard seasons. So I want to release some things to you today. I want to release permission to feel complex emotions. I want to release permission to kind of wrestle with things and have questions. Um, and I want to encourage you to not go through any emotional process without inviting him into it. Because what I don't want you to hear me say, because we're gonna talk about emotions, we're gonna talk about emotions and um, perspective are two things that I want to hit on. When you hear me talking about emotions, I'm, I'm not saying like sit in it and just like get more angry and like feed into the lies because sometimes our emotions are tied to lies. And so you have to address the lie to be able to move past the emotion. What I'm saying is invite him in. He's going to help you sift through it. You're going to sit there and say, this is everything I'm feeling. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be genuine because I know you can handle it. And then you sift through in his presence and you start to realize that's a lie that I was believing. 
Okay, you move past it. That emotion doesn't feel the same anymore. So uh, emotion, emotional process. <clears throat> I like to read the Psalms, and I think it illustrates what I'm talking about as far as emotional process and then gaining perspective, because David was like, you've forsaken me. And then the next line, he's like, yet you are holy. So it's like, feel what you feel, but like, are you putting perspective on it? Like, are you remembering who he is? Are you seeking truth? Like, don't just, you know, spiral in it. Feel what you feel, but invite him into it. Let him give you perspective. So it's important to not ignore or discount our emotions because I don't want us, I feel like a lot of times, or at least this is what I've seen in my life, when a trial comes, I want to handle it well. And so it's almost like I act like I have a better perspective than I actually do because I want to be handling it that way. So I'm like, I'm just gonna act like I'm handling it this way. That's not genuine faith. The testing of your faith proves your faith genuine. Okay, so let it be tested. Let the emotions come up because if you try to move past and around the emotions or sweep it under the rug and say like, oh, people have it so much worse or whatever. And you're just like, and I'm gonna act like I'm good. It's gonna come out sideways in other ways. It's not actually, that's not actually a genuine faith. Okay, permission to wrestle, permission to ask hard questions. Uh, be with what is and let him take you from point A to point B. He can do that, we can't do that. Okay, there's a quote from a book called The Cry of the Soul that I'm gonna read about emotions. Ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality and reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They're the cry that gives the heart a voice. However, we often turn a deaf ear through emotional denial, distortion, or disengagement. We strain out anything disturbing in order to gain control of our inner world. We're frightened and ashamed of what leaks into our consciousness and in neglecting our intense emotions, we're false to ourselves and we lose a wonderful opportunity to know God. We forget that change comes through brutal honesty and vulnerability before God. With emotions. <clears throat> I know that sometimes when you're walking through a painful situation, it can be hard to worship. It can be hard to come to church. It can be hard to read these words on the screen that we're singing and be like, I don't see that. And so it's really hard for me to sing it. And there have been times where I was scheduled to lead up here and some of the songs that we're singing, I'm just like, oof. I don't know, God, you gotta get me to a place where I can sing this. You gotta get me to a place where I can believe what I'm singing because I'm not gonna stand on this stage and sing something that I don't believe is true. And so there would be these weeks where I'm telling you, I would weep preparing for Sunday morning because I wanted to believe what I was singing. And he got me there, okay? I never got up on here and sang something I didn't believe, but I feel like, I mean, y'all have seen me wrestle up here and that's real. And I'm not gonna pretend that I'm in a better place than I am. We have to wrestle through it and prove that our faith is genuine. So I guess I would tell you, do it anyway. Worship anyway. Let him work on you, you know? Let him work on your perspective. And I, I've heard a lot of people say this, so I don't know who to credit it to. But worship in the middle of pain is an offering that you can only give him while you're here. 
because all the pain's gonna be wiped away. And he's worthy of that kind of offering. He's worthy of that kind of sacrifice to sing those words and believe that they are true, even though you're not actually seeing it the way that you would like to see it. He's worthy of that kind of offering. He's worthy of that kind of worship. So do it anyway. You don't feel like going to community group? Go to community group anyway. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so the bottom line with emotions and what I would wanna say is take your emotions to the comforter and let him sift through it with you. Um, the point of processing the emotions is to move through them. And if you sit in your emotions without him, you're not gonna get to where you need to go. You need him in those moments with you. And I feel like a lot of breakthrough in my life started happening when, you know, I, would, I was weeping every day. That's not an exaggeration. I would weep into the floor saying, Jesus, have mercy. Jesus, have mercy. And sometimes I would say, like, do you even see me? Just weeping. And there was this perspective shift that happened where I started picturing him with me instead of picturing him really far away. Because anger makes us feel like he's far away. And he's not far away. So if you have complex emotions to process, just picture him sitting right next to you. He's not far away. Picture him grieving with you. He's going through it with you. He loves you. He doesn't like that you're going through this. He didn't send it to you. Mourning can exist as you are planted in hope. Both can coexist. First Thessalonians 4.13, we don't grieve like those with no hope. It doesn't say we don't grieve. It says we don't grieve like those with no hope. It looks differently, but you can do it at the same time. An example of this, we had a really tough day one day. I don't remember how long ago this was, probably a few months. I'm using an example of a time where I responded in a way that I'm proud of, okay? There are a lot of examples and stories where it was messier than this, and this story is actually pretty messy. So um, just know that, okay? Okay. <laughs> uh, it was a really tough day. I held it together as best I could, got both of the kids to bed, told Alex, I need to go for a drive. Grabbed a cracker, got myself a little cup of juice. Everyone's like, a cracker? <laughs> I thought you were telling a serious story. <laughs> grabbed a cracker, grabbed some grapes, grabbed some, and they're like, what is happening? Okay. Um, I got communion elements for myself to go take started driving, was wailing, screaming, crying. I should have pulled over. I'm really sorry I drove like that. <laughs> I, you know, it was dangerous, but <clears throat> I had to get to where I was going. I let out this really deep scream and it lasted for a really long time. And it was 100% spiritual. I felt like I was praying and I was screaming. And in that moment, I realized that grieving can be worship if your heart posture is towards him. Worship doesn't have to look like maybe how you have always defined it. It can be wherever you are if you just position. Because when I was screaming, it wasn't an anger towards him. It was like a 
just my heart was towards him and I needed him and that scream was absolutely prayer, it was absolutely worship and it, something opened up in me in that moment of like, it doesn't have to look like what I thought it had to look like, like this is genuine faith. It's messy but it's genuine and that's what gives him glory. The genuine faith is what gives him glory. I parked, I took communion, I wept through it but I reminded myself of my covenant with him. And that kind of leads me into talking about perspective. We have to have the right perspective. If you notice in those verses that I read earlier, faith is not produced by trials. It's tested by trials. It reveals where your faith is, which is actually a gift because then you get to respond to that. And if it's weak, then, okay, let me look to scripture. How do I build faith if it's not produced by trials? Romans 10, 17, faith comes from by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Perspective, you need perspective. We need to see him rightly. Scripture, prayer, sitting in his presence, worshiping, being a part of a, a community, they're all things that help us see him rightly. I remember one Sunday morning we were singing, wait for you. The lyrics say, you know my lying down, um, you know my whatever. I don't know the words unless I actually sing it. Um, you know my lying down and you know my rising up and where can I go that you won't always be there waiting for me. And this perspective shift happened for me in that moment where I realized those words were true for Aiden and not just for me. And I talked to, Aiden, uh, talked to Alex after the service and he felt the exact same thing in that song, in that service where we realized we're not begging God to do something that he doesn't wanna do. And Alex had this moment of like, we call him 80 boy. He had this moment in prayer where God told Alex, he's my 80 boy too. Wow. Perspective changes your emotions. Scripture, something that else that has helped me in this season is just seeing God's faithfulness to his people. I feel like sometimes we get so zoomed in on like day-to-day -day struggles and this, I mean, the Old Testament, New Testament, I mean, all of it, seeing his faithfulness to his people in this rich, rich history that we've been grafted into through our Jewish Messiah. This history is ours. It's, he's the same God. And so sometimes we just need to zoom out and we need to see like, even as it, what David said in um, Psalm 22, he was talking about, uh, my father's trusted in you and you didn't put them to shame. Just remembering his faithfulness, remembering who he is and seeing him rightly. Um, okay, so I do wanna touch just for a second. I'm gonna try to wrap this up. I just have so much to say. Ooh, okay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you don't know what you're asking for. Um, okay, sometimes processing and seeking perspective, it leads to theology questions, like foundational questions where you're like, who are you? What's your will? How does this work? Why don't my prayers work? All these questions where it's like, 
theology questions. We've got to find the answers to these questions. And so um, I know I mentioned this earlier, but I do just want to say, I don't believe that God sends suffering to teach us lessons. I don't believe that's his nature. And I just want to say that outright. Romans 8, 28 says that he uses everything for the good of those who love him. He'll use it. But I just want to correct, if anybody in here believes that like, oh, God's trying to teach me a lesson, that's not true. (laughs) It's not true. He's not trying to teach you a lesson through suffering, but he will sit with you in it and he will use it. Hmm. I need to say this. I've gone back and forth about saying it because it's a little bit of a hot take. But I think he's asking me to be obedient in speaking this right now. This mental illness world that we've kind of been, we have found ourselves in, there's a new buzzword called neurodiversity. And it's essentially (laughs) celebrating mental illness and viewing it as like another category of diversity that we need to celebrate. I believe in loving and accepting people where they are. I believe in creating systems and spaces for people of all you know, varying capabilities in any which way, but I am not going to stand for mental illness being God's best for Aiden. And I need Aiden's full destiny to be realized. And so we're gonna keep praying and we're gonna keep believing that Aiden's mind is gonna be completely whole, that wholeness is his portion, and that I'm gonna have another testimony to share it with you. Thank you. Two lenses that I use for this, on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6, 1, teaching the disciples how to pray. On earth as it is in heaven. So you look at any situation, any symptom, any diagnosis, do you see it existing in heaven? If not, pray on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven for Aiden's life. On earth as it is in heaven for Aiden's mind. And that's what I believe, and that's how I'm gonna pray. Another lens, if Jesus were to walk into the room, would Aiden be the same when Jesus walked out of the room? I don't believe that that's true. So that's how I pray. Hebrews 1.6, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So if you have questions about God's will, about his nature, about what he would like to do in the earth, you look at the life of Jesus and I see all through the gospels that Jesus healed them all. Jesus healed them all. And Jesus is the representation of God's glory, the full radiance of the glory of God. And so that's how we should pray. And this is for everything. Um, John 14, 12, the works I do, this is Jesus, he will do also in greater. Okay, so there's just plenty of evidence. This is a whole nother message. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, all right, all right, all right. So we got to a place in our faith where I know that God's still healing. I know that that's true. I know that it's his will to heal. I know that that's true. I am praying for healing every single day and I'm not seeing it. It just led to more questions. 
And I feel like a genuine faith is gonna lead you through more questions than if you were to just kind of roll over and say, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> I don't know why I said that in a country voice. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, but listen, listen. Staying in it and asking the theological questions, it's harder. It's a harder road, but it's a genuine road. So. Uh, another thing I wanna say is permission to ask questions, okay? I don't want us to have this church culture where like if people have questions about their faith, then they feel like guilted about it or shameful about it and then they pull away or, I mean, they could pull away, they could lose their faith because they're not finding the answers to their questions. No one's helping them and you know, Christians are just making them feel bad for having questions. Or they could continue on and pursue all this spiritual activity and it not actually be genuine and neither of those options are good options. So we have to allow space for people to ask questions. Take it to scripture, take it to prayer, take it to community group. Be like, I am, I don't know what I think about this and pour through the scriptures together. Find the answers to your questions. There's no other option. We have to move forward in a genuine way. <clears throat> okay. The bottom line with this is that theology cannot be bent to our emotions. And we cannot define God by what we have experienced thus far. You don't have to roll over to your suffering in an effort to have a good perspective. You can get to a place where you're like, I'm gonna pursue him no matter what happens. I'm resolute and I'm still praying for more. Those two things can exist. It's contentment and hope. It's both. <clears throat> Inviting community in can do a lot for your perspective. And I just wanna take a second because I cannot talk about the last few years of our life without honoring the people who have helped us through it. This house, I cannot imagine these past two years without the people in this room. And also the people who aren't here. We have had just this solid support team praying for us, fasting with us, bringing meals when it was just too hard for me to get anything made, sending voice messages, sending scriptures, singing songs to worship to, reminding us who we are, reminding us of Aiden's destiny, prophesying over Aiden's life, prophesying over his relationship with Eileen. Community is so important. And if you don't, if you feel like you're going through a hard time and you don't have it, find it. Find it, plug in and be honest. Be the first one to be vulnerable and, and you, gotta, you gotta seek it out, but it just helps so much. It helps so much. And um, yeah, I remember there was a while where we couldn't go to community group at all just because of where Aiden was at. But there was a time when we were like, my parents took care of the kids and we went to Chuck and Shay's house. And we had talked to individual people in our life about how things were going and how hard things had gotten for us. But that was the first time that we really opened up to a group of people and there's something different about that too. And when I tell you there was a puddle on the Thompson's living room floor, there was a puddle, a really big puddle. I cried so much, but they just gave us a space to describe what we were going through. Nobody interrupted or tried to add perspective prematurely, which can also be harmful. They gave us space to share 
And then they gathered around us, they laid hands on us, and they prayed over us, they prophesied, and they've been committed to us in this process ever since. It didn't end that night. And I just, I share all of that, one, to honor those people, because you know who you are, and two, if you don't have that, I desire that for you, and you can find it. I want us to have a culture and community where we, you know that moment where like, you're either, there's just some hard emotions that you're going through, and you're driving up somewhere you need to be and you cut the car off and you're like, get it together. (laughs) I don't want us to have to do that. I want us to pull up to each other's houses and not feel like we have to get it together before we walk into each other's living rooms. That's the kind of community that I want us to have. I want us to be able to walk in red eyed and like wipe in the snot or like, or just be angry and be like, I'm angry. You know, I want it to be that open and that honest. So listen, I'm gonna start to wrap up. I'm sorry that this has been, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. Hold up, I'm not sorry. Okay, something else that helps perspective, testifying. So that's what I would like to do right now, even though it's not the testimony that I thought I would be sharing. I need to testify, I need to be grateful for what God has done, because he's done a lot, okay? First of all, we had a baby girl. We brought home another baby, and she's so perfect and sweet. And she's just been, she's brought us so much joy in this season that felt really dark. It's like Eileen has just kind of like, I don't know, brought a dose of joy. And we're really grateful for that. Um, Alex started working from home. He's been around more to help with our babies. And that has been incredible and so, so helpful. And we saw breakthrough in Aiden just from that, just from Alex being around more often. We have found incredible doctors all through the U.S. that have helped us with breakthroughs in Aiden's life and in his mind. Um, Aiden started preschool in August. Um, He's in a supported preschool class, and that has been so good for him. Um, God has been financially providing for us in like crazy ways. I'm talking like checks in the mail that we didn't expect, like crazy, crazy financial provision. Um, There's been a deepening of my relationship with Alex. I mean, I, I haven't I, there's no time to really talk about like how it's affected all the different areas of my life. I mean, there is no area that this mental illness has not touched. But there is a deepening of my relationship with Alex that I'm so grateful for. And for me, like I'm never gonna be the same. I feel like my roots are so deep. I'm literally just looking at the enemy like, come at me. Honestly, like there's nothing that's gonna make my feet move from where they are right now. Nothing, I'm completely resolute. I'm completely unwavering. Come at me, bro. Aiden, you know, he can't say I love you right now. He will one day. But he'll grab my face and we'll rub noses and we'll do like the eyelash flutter. And the other night he said, he grabbed my face and he said, hey, sweetheart. Just imitating, I guess what I say to him, I didn't even realize that I say that, but now I do. He also said something the other day that made me realize what I say. Ailee was going to touch the stove door and Aiden said, stop, Ailee. That's a no. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I guess I say that. That's a no, that's a no. Um, I walked into his room the other morning and I said, hey bud, it's mommy. And he said, it's mommy just like that. I mean, he's so sweet, you guys. And I just didn't want to end on a bad note with y'all being like, wow, are they still like in the pits every day? God has done so much. God has done so much. 
and we believe for more breakthrough, but I'm just testifying of what he's done currently. And, that, and, and he's worthy in the middle of it, you know? He's worthy and he's good. Um, the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he wants you to be angry. He wants you to stay stuck in whatever you're disappointed about. He wants you to have bitterness. He wants you to doubt that God is good. And I don't want to give him any more attention. <laughs> but you're on the winning side. You're on the winning side. Let your faith rise. Take heart. You're never alone. Psalm 56 says that he keeps our tears in his bottle. I don't believe that there's a literal bottle, although that would be cool, but he remembers your suffering. He's not unaware. He's that every single tear, like knowing how many you've shed. He's that aware of your suffering. He is always with you and he can help you move through your trials in a way that you get to the other side and you have a proven faith and you look more like Jesus and it gives him glory. Your faith in him through those trials gives him glory. And that's my testimony. Like when I felt like I was barely hanging on, he helped me through. He did. I like to imagine the faith that I will feel when Aiden is fully healed. The moment it happens and just how I would feel. I want to have that kind of faith right now, right now. We don't have to see the answers to our prayers to be able to have that kind of level of faith. It says faith is the assurance. That means you're assured. Okay, let's act assured. Let's have assurance. Let's have faith. Let's let faith rise. Mm, I want all of us to be radically convinced of his goodness. I mean, radically, like completely unwavering, completely resolute standing firm no matter what comes. And not only that, just like standing firm, like, yes, I'm resolute, but having joy and peace that these verses talk about, it is possible. It is possible to let him clothe you in gladness before you see the answer to your prayer. It's possible to dance while you're still mourning. And it's gonna baffle the world. And guess what that does? It brings him glory. Bill Johnson made, he, he had a message right after his wife passed away from cancer. And he said, the backslider in heart will always judge God for what he didn't do. But those who run with tenderness for who he is will always define him by what he said, what he has promised and what he has done. Process your emotions, ask your hard questions, seek to see him rightly Draw near to him and he'll draw near to you and let other people in. So I don't, you know, we're all in very different places in our life right now. And there's so many different ways that you could respond. <clears throat> Even if you're not currently in a season of suffering, it's possible that you've had disappointments in your past that you still need to revisit and process because you've tried to move on. You just can't shake it. You need to go back and invite him in and ask you to change your perspective on what happened yeah. and where he was and what his heart is for you. Um, you might be realizing 
Actually, you know what? My relationship with Jesus has been pretty conditional thus far. I step in when I want to, I pull back when I want to. And you're realizing I need to have a deeper devotion. I need to make a decision today that it is covenantal through blood and there are no conditions. You might need to invite somebody in. Maybe you're in a low place and nobody knows how low you are. Maybe you need to open up and let somebody else in so that community can be a part of your story. Um, but I think all of us, we really just need deeper trust in the mystery because there are a lot of mysteries and there are a lot of unanswered questions and um, we need to trust him in the middle of it, in the middle of the mystery. So I want the community leaders to come up. I really wanna open ministry time and receive people for prayer, even if it's unrelated to what we've been talking about today. Come receive prayer for anything. And if, but if you are in what feels like a dark night of the soul, I mean, you are really, you're in the lowest place you've ever been and you're really, really struggling, I want to pray for you. So I'm gonna stand down there with the community leaders and just come pray with me um, because I was there not too long ago and I wanna pray with you. Um, okay. Community leaders, you can come on up. <laughs> wow. Um, and I'm just gonna pray and we will, thank you, Dan. We'll quietly dismiss, um, but come receive prayer, okay? Um, Jesus, thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you're for us. Thank you that you're always working. Thank you that when we draw near and let you walk with us, we just don't ever have to walk through anything alone. <clears throat> I pray over every person in this room that we would experience spiritual depths that we never could have imagined and that you would help us get to this place through your spirit because we can't do this on our own, Jesus. We need, we're willing for you to make us willing to trust you and to be unwavering in our faith. That no matter what disappointment comes, no matter what suffering we endure, no matter what trials we may face, that our faith and our trust is in you and that you'll be glorified through the way that we move through those seasons of life. Jesus, we love you. We love you. Jesus, thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for where you brought me. Thank you for never leaving my side and for sitting with me and grieving with me, Jesus. We love you so much, Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information about The Dwelling, visit thedwellingchurch.org.